Thank you, worship team. We appreciate you so much. Good morning, church. It's great to be in God's house this morning. Beautiful, crisp fall day. Uh, very excited for that. And I just want to reiterate uh, for all the men in the house, uh, a couple of things with the men's barbecue. Uh, it's, again, it's going to be a little bit down the street, right across the street from the dog stop in our 6120 building. It's a small storefront right there. One of our members, uh, Leroy, actually owns that property and he opened it up to us. It's a big, beautiful outdoor patio. We're going to have the Bears game. We're gonna, we've had several big, giant briskets and pork butts and all that smoked all morning. We have a buddy of mine who owns a barbecue business that's come out and is doing all this food. I mean, it is really, really going to be a fun time. I just want to remind a couple of things. Uh, just because we have a second service, please don't leave your cars in the 6050 parking lot if you're going to drive or if you're going to have your car. If you can just move it out, you can park down the street at 6120. You can park all up and down Belmont. It's free on Sundays. Uh, we just, for traffic, said we don't want you to get stuck in case you want to leave and all the other cars blocked you in. So we just ask at the end of the service if you would move your car out, park on the street, park at 6120, or hey, just get dropped off and have somebody pick you up later, however you want to do it. And uh, if you're hesitant, I really wish you would reconsider. I really wish you'd take the time. If your hesitation is, but I really want to watch the Bears game, so do I. So we're working to make sure we have it playing there. Um, but more than anything, we want to have an opportunity to get together and really get to know each other. And, and it's kind of part of what I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, last month, we were in this series called With Everything. And uh, thank you, Pastor Jason, for uh, taking up and, and wrapping up that series last week. Uh, my family came down with a bug like many of your families do when you have small children, it happens, and it was best for us to stay home, uh, but I'm grateful for the team that we have that can always step up and uh, do what God's called them to do when the need arises. Uh, but as we've been going through this series, in case you weren't here, we've been walking through Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 28, and I want to reiterate that again because it's kind of going to piggyback or jump off of this next series that I would argue is the sequel to the last one. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 28, listen to what the word of the Lord says. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say and how do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told them, do this and you will live. So last month, we talked about what does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And we walked through each of those because it's not enough to just love God with one. We want to love God with everything we have. But it's also important to understand that this commandment, as Jesus in another portion reiterates this as uh, the greatest commandment, it sums up all the other commandments. When you're asking about what we need to do, it's all summed up here. He says, love the Lord your God with all that we talked about and love your neighbor as yourself. Not or love your neighbor as yourself. It's not, hey, you can either choose to love God or love people. It's no, the commandment includes both clauses. You must first love the Lord your God because without learning how to love God and love love itself, it's gonna be very challenging and difficult for you to love anybody else. But once you're able to do that and once you understand what that is, you are not exempt then from loving people. There's a lot of us in this room who are like, I love God. I just can't stand people. 
And listen, I get it. You know, I understand to a certain extent what that's like. I'm not the biggest fan of giant crowds. Uh, I think it's because I'm a bigger guy anyways. I just, I need room. I need space for activities. And so if there's just too many people around me, I get a little bit uncomfortable. I I get that. I've never been a guy that wanted to go to like parties and concerts. That just wasn't my jam. I just didn't like, I needed an exit. I needed to be able to get out in case stuff popped off. Um, It's just not my thing, okay? So I get that. And then there are some of you that are like on that large scale of the introverted line. And and this right now is terrifying for you. There's already too many people in this room. And so I get that to a certain extent. And then there's the people who just flat out don't like people. You just don't like anybody. Like you barely like yourself. And you're like, I I just, people annoy me. People frustrate me. I just want to be by myself. I just want to do my own thing. But the problem is this. We cannot live a life where we say we love God and refuse to love people. This is the commandment. So this is kind of kicking off the the sequel to the last series that I've affectionately titled, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Because I'm a huge fan of Mr. Rogers, as I've mentioned a number of times. I love Mr. Rogers. And today, I really want to talk to you about loving your neighbor, specifically the people in this room. We'll talk a little bit more about what exactly defines a neighbor, but I want to look at specifically when it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to the people of God, when it comes to literally the people in this room, your brothers and sisters at Belmont Assembly of God, what does it look like to love your neighbor? And immediately when I read that scripture, uh, the the verse that followed up in my heart came in 1 John chapter 4. And this is going to be the crux of what we're going to go through. My main point, as Pastor Izzy would say, comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 through 21. If you have your Bibles, listen to what the word of the Lord says. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. That's bold right off the bat, right? It's like, hey, I'm not going to dance around this. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. If someone claims to love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see, right? If we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers, This is a a non-negotiable. This is a mandatory aspect. This is something that all of us are called to do. And I'll be honest with you. Some people are hard to love. Some of you in this room might be a hard to love person. And yet, nonetheless, we must strive to love the people in this room. The challenge is it takes effort to love people. It takes conscious effort to love people. I was talking to a couple of our young adults who are working towards trying to become youth leaders. And, uh, you know, they're asking a lot of great questions and trying to figure out what it takes. And uh, for me, anytime I get a a hungry person, I want to feed them. And so we were talking and uh, I just challenged them really quick. And I said, hey, let me ask you something. Do you know the name of every student in our youth ministry? And they were like, no. I go, well, why would God give us more students if you don't even know the names of the ones we got? I said, so I want you to challenge you. Over the next month or so, learn the names of every kid. Just learn their name. And it's simple things like that. Now, let's take that into our context. Do you know the name of everyone in your row that's not related to you or that you didn't come with? Maybe do you know the names of the people in the row in front of you, in the row behind you? Hey, guys on this left corner, do you know the people in this section? 
people in this section. Do you know the people in this section? Like, it's the same people for the most part, week in and week out. But because you always sit in that seat, if they don't sit within five meters radius around you, you're not going to know them. And even if you do, you're like, I only know their face. I, like, I know who they are. I see them at the store and I go... But that's like the extent of our relationship. I, I can't say that I love them. I can't even really say that I know them. I just seen them. And if we are going to grow the way I believe God is, is intending for us to, not for numerical sake, but because we want to fill heaven. We want to be effective in what God has called us to do. But if we want to do that successfully, people have to walk in this room understanding the love of God is here because I see how they love each other. And I want to be a part of that love. That's why this barbecue thing is so important. It, it just seems like a football game and barbecue and, and they're like, and it's outside? I don't even want to stand outside and this and that. Listen, that's, that's not what it's about. It's about the fact that you don't know nobody here. And we're trying to get you to know somebody. We're trying to get you to meet somebody. We're trying to get you to build relationships. So there's a few thoughts I had when it came to this scripture of what it means to love your neighbor and loving each other. And if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. Our love for each other is a reflection of our love for God. Our love for each other is a reflection of our love for God. In other words, when people see you and the way that you love, that's going to reflect on God. And the opposite is true. When people see you and you seem hateful or spiteful or mean, it's a reflection on the love of God. This is what's become extra challenging over the last 10, 20 years as social media has increased, as the internet has increased. You get a lot of people in the name of Jesus and in the name of God who are bad-mouthing, belittling, uh, yelling at, being hateful toward other individuals, especially other Christians. And then the world is looking at it going, why would I love you? You don't even love each other. Y'all don't even like each other. And you, you guys ever like... I know as you get older, you get couples. You ever had couple friends that are constantly yelling at each other and fighting? And after a while, you're like, I don't want to hang out with them anymore because they don't even like each other. Like, and so it gets kind of awkward. It gets kind of weird. It gets uncomfortable. Imagine having dinner at somebody's house and they go in the kitchen and they think the kitchen is soundproof and they're screaming and yelling at each other and you're hearing pots and pans flying and you're like, I think we should go. Like, this is getting kind of awkward. And in the same way, we're inviting people, hey, come to church, come be a part of the family of God. And they're like, your family's way too dysfunctional. I don't want to be a part of that because you're mean and you're spiteful and you're hate-filled. And again, it's, I think it's a vocal minority. I do not think it's representative of the true people of God. But we must be careful. We must be careful to not allow Little things that maybe set us off to push us into doing things that is not loving and that is not caring because it doesn't just reflect you, but it reflects God. Listen, John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35 says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How can we identify the real from the fake. How do we know if this is cake or if this is a shoe, right? It's the love. It's the love that we show one another. That's what the world is really looking for. They don't care about your theology. They don't care about, uh, you know, your understanding of biblical terms and, and if you can exegesis this or that. To them, 
Do you love each other? Because you keep telling me about this loving God, but I don't see his love in you. You keep telling me about this loving God, but, but all I see coming out of your mouth is spitefulness, is uh, bitterness. You don't even like the church. You're always bad-mouthing it. So why do I want to be a part of that? We have to be careful of what we represent and who we represent. And again, this is important to God. Not just that you say you love him, but that you love each other. I thought about this as I was uh, looking at Peter, and we talked about this last month. When Jesus reinstated Peter after Peter had betrayed him three times and, and ran away and went back to fishing, Jesus goes and he's very loving to him and he cooks him breakfast and he has a, a sit down with him and he's in the process of reinstating Peter back into his role as a disciple. And notice in that process, what does he do? He asks him this question, Peter, do you love me? Right? Three times he asked him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And every time Peter said yes, even though he was getting a little hurt, he was getting a little upset, he's like, why do you keep questioning my love for you? But what does Jesus say after every time? If you love me, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. In other words, Peter, I'm not questioning your love for me. I'm questioning your love for my people. And that's the problem, I think, sometimes. I don't think, I'm, right now, I'm not questioning your love for God. We just went through a whole month of that. I hope you've refined that and grown in that. But I'm helping you understand that you can't claim to have that love and then not love his people. It's like saying, you love me but hate my wife. Uh, listen, we're going to have problems then because I really love my wife. I love you, but I hate your daughter. I say, well, we got some issues then. Or maybe some things in common. The older one's getting on my nerves a little bit. <laughs> but the younger one's still sweet. I don't know why you would hate her. <laughs> I hope they don't see this in 10 years. Like, see, Papi, you were always like that. <laughs> no, no, listen, we reflect what we claim, not in what we say, but in what we do and how we treat people. And again, I don't want to just go on the bad terms because when you're that loving person on the job and in the neighborhood and, and when you're that person that's constantly serving, when you represent God in that wonderful way, it baffles people. People are literally thrown off. They will ask you that question, why are you so nice? Why are you always doing all these things and helping all these people? Like, it's foreign. I get it. You know, you're from Chicago. You don't know if somebody's got an angle and what they're trying to do. You're like, I don't know. Why do you want to help me? <laughs> What do you want from me? What are you trying to get out of me? And we need to be careful, too, that we don't love people just to get them into this church and make them a part of this church or to convert them. We love them, and so we want them to have that relationship with Jesus. But if the only reason we want the relationship is for them to have a relationship with Jesus, and then once they do that, we don't want to have anything to do with them, then that's a problem. So it's why we're doing this fall fest, right? It's why we're, we're spending money on, on buying candy and, and opening our parking lot to, to try to invite all these families in. And, and it can be easy for somebody to say, well, you know, we shouldn't be doing that because, you know, Halloween, that's demonic. And, and I'm just like, listen, my Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Every day belongs to God. I'm sorry. I'm not giving the devil a day. I don't care if it's his birthday. I don't care if it's his anniversary. He don't get a day in my book. My God is redeemed every single one of those days. And so I'm going to celebrate it. And by the way, we're not doing anything like demonic. We're, we're, half the cars are dressed up like Bible themes. We've got Noah's Ark and Jonah and the whale, and it's super cheesy. Like It's like, it's totally fine, right? Unless you think pumpkins are super demonic for some reason. I think they're delicious. Um, 
So, but my point is, here's, here's, here's where we can miss the mark, right? We can be so adamant about making a point that we fail to then make a difference. Because we're like, no, no, you can't do that. It's like, but we just loved on 700 kids. Kids who aren't thinking what you're thinking. Kids who just want candy. They could care less who's giving it to them. That's dangerous, right? Like, we're, we're creating a loving, wonderful space. We're giving them a gospel track so they can know the love of Jesus Christ. We are representing Christ and dancing and having fun and saying, hey, listen, this isn't just some beige building. This is the house of God. <laughs> we represent Christ when we do that, and we need to represent his love well. The second thing I notice is that our love for each other makes the invisible visible. How can we love God who we haven't seen? And if, or how can, we, yeah, how can we love God who we haven't seen and we can't love people who we have seen? Right? One is visible and one is invisible. And our love for each other is what makes the invisible visible. What do I mean by that? Well, when I first came to this church, I was 15 years old. The biggest reason I came or I continued to come, I should say, is because I felt loved here. That was the bottom line. I walked through these doors. Again, I, I, we've come a long way. Excel, you are very lucky compared to what Pastor Jason and Mark and I had when we were at Excel. No knocking it. It just wasn't what it was, right? The worship, it was, it was a joyful noise. And um, the, the, the scene was the scene. I remember there was one girl who they never even had her mic on when she would sing. Like, she just, we just let her stand up there. Like, there was just stuff that was, you know. But to me, it was amazing, because I felt loved. And you know what was the greatest example of that? It wasn't some huge gesture. It wasn't like they threw a party every time I showed up. The best example of it and what really made the biggest difference was they remembered my name. I remember coming back a week or two after. I walked in the door and they said, hey, Joey, what's up, bro? And I remember thinking to myself, you remembered me. That made all the difference in the world. Dude, you remembered me. Especially as a 15-year-old kid, you know, you're all insecure. You, you got all these issues. I was going to a ginormous high school where everybody was just a big blob. But I don't think that ends at 15. I think we'd all love to be known. We'd all love for somebody to know our name. And it made the invisible love of God visible. Because they remembered my name and their love for each other, it opened my eyes to the love of God. And I was reminded that God not only knows my name, but he knows everything about me. He knows every hair on my head. He knows my thoughts of my thoughts. Like, he knows the innermost parts of me. He knows all the dark aspects of my life, all the horrible things that I wish no one ever knew. God knows it and still chooses to love me. How did I learn all that? from a group of people who just loved me and remembered my name. Now listen, in case you're in this room and you're being cynical, I do wanna mention something. We can only remember your name if you stop to tell us your name. This is why going to the, the woman's Bible study and the men's barbecue, these are just events that we're trying to create. And, and let me make sure that I help you understand this. The role of the church is not to facilitate on a week-in-week -week basis your friendship group. 
We are here to spark an opportunity for you to meet somebody. And then on the back end of that, go create friendships, okay? So we're not party planners. We're not like, this isn't a social club where every week we're going to cater something specifically made for you. That We're trying to create opportunities where you can linger and say hello and meet and say, hey, I'd love to get a cup of coffee with you later. I'd love to hook up. Hey, I'm watching the game this weekend. Do you want to come to my house? Hey, we're going to go out, my family. We're going to go to the museum or we're going to the zoo. Uh, You know, you got small kids too. Do you guys want to maybe partner up? Like that's how you start growing in our love for one another. If you're just waiting for every event to meet somebody, and expect that the event in and of itself, the, the one thing we've done this year for guys, you're not going to meet nobody. And so when you sit there, like, oh, nobody here even knows me. Yeah, because you don't talk to us. So how would I know you? I remember one time, I felt bad, but one time a kid came up to me when I was a youth pastor. And they were like, hey, what's my name? <laughs> I was like, I'll be honest with you, kid. You don't come here enough for me to remember your name. But if you keep coming, I promise you, I'll remember your name. I wasn't trying to be mean, but I was just being honest. Like, you're here like once every couple of years. I ain't gonna remember you. But if you were here on a regular basis, I won't forget you. And this is kind of what I'm trying to help encourage all of us to understand because I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody to get upset and, and, and get in their feelings. And, and I understand that, but I just don't want you to feel insecure and, well, nobody here cares about me. We would love to give in the opportunity. And it might take a few times. It might take a few chances, a few opportunities. Listen, 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. There's a lot of people who say it's hard to love God because he's not tangible. Sure he is. He's tangible in us. That's the love of God expressed through his people for one another. Like I said, I I was out of uh, the commission the last week. I wasn't in service Sunday and Wednesday. I was so blessed because a number of you texted me. Just little things. Hey, I noticed you weren't at service. Everything okay? Is there anything I can pray for you? And in my mind, I'm like, I hope they don't think I'm like leaving or anything. All right, I got fired. It's only been a few months, guys. I think we're doing decent here. But I just, I was so appreciative. And I remember saying, hey, thanks for checking in on me. I appreciate that. Especially a lot of times with leaders, we expect the leaders to check in on us and very seldom do we check on our leaders. And so I was very grateful about being a part of the body and making sure they understood, hey, I'm doing all right. My kids were sick. They're doing great now. Thank you for that. Pray that none of us catch it and that we move forward. And I know, again, I don't want you feeling bad if you're like, well, I was out and nobody called me. Build enough relationships and they will. Get close enough to where people notice and we will. The third thing is this, is that our love for each other is mandatory, not optional. This is a mandatory love. You have to love each other. You don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to decide if you want to, if you don't want to. It's not a take it or leave it. It's a this is what we do here. We love each other. And again, I get it. It's not always easy. Uh, you know, I, I liken it to families. My greatest fights in this planet were with my sisters, right? Like, I got three sisters. We rubbed each other the wrong way. We got in each other's faces. You know, we physically got in each other's business. Like, we were going after it. 
And uh, I've told horror stories, but, you know, she's a pastor now, so I shouldn't mention any more of those stories. But we've gone into it a number of times. But, man, they are some of the greatest loves of my life. And I would never let anybody else attack them, especially the way we would attack each other. See, and in the same way, because we're family, oh, we're going to have times where we get on each other's nerves. It just happens. We're going to have times where we maybe misunderstand or cross the line or, or flat out offend somebody. And that's why the Bible gives us things like uh, be willing to be long-suffering with one another and, and, and give grace to one another and be patient with one another. Like we have to do that because in the end of the day, you got to love each other. My kids don't have a choice. They have to love each other. They're my kids. That's the greatest joy I would have as a father that my kids would love each other. And those of you who are parents, you understand the same thing. You want your kids to have a relationship. When my second daughter was born, there was such a joy in my heart of knowing that my oldest will always have somebody. That's literally how I felt. I told my wife, if something ever happened to us, they'll always have each other. And that was such a blessing to me. That was such a, but now as I'm raising them, I am purposely trying to cultivate the understanding you gotta love each other. Go take care of your sister. Go check on your sister. Go love your, like I'm constantly trying to reinforce that's your sister, love her. And I think God as our father is trying to reiterate the same thing. That's your brother. Get to know him. Go have a cup of coffee with them. Go hang out with them. That's your sister. Get to know her. Get over that little issue you had. It's not even a big deal. You're not even gonna remember that in a few months. Move past it, grow in that relationship, build each other up, get to know people in this room. Second John chapter one, verse five through six says it like this. I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us and he has commanded us to love one another. Just as you heard from the beginning. Love is doing what God commanded you to do. And what has God commanded you to do? Love each other. And again, I have to reiterate this. It is very hard to love someone you haven't taken the time to know. And I get it. I very much, especially as a younger man, I don't know if you're like, I think you're better than I am. So I'm going to assume none of you in this room are like I was. But maybe we know somebody. You ever had those people like, as soon as they walk in, you're like, mm, I don't like that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, meh, something about their face. Just their face. I just, just don't like their face. I'm sure they're a nice guy. I just don't like their face. You know what I mean? And it, they did nothing. They just walked in the room. You're like, oh, can't stand that person. Why? You saw how they walk? Mm. Already. Don't like them. Don't want to like Have you even got to know them? I don't even want to know them. I already know them. As soon as they walk in, I could read that from a mile away. Like, we, we're like that, aren't we? And listen, we've all had it, especially, I, it was like this for me going to school because you're stuck with them, right? Where you see them, you hate them, and that person you hate ends up being your best friend throughout all high school, right? How many of us had best friends in school that started out as our enemies? I hated you with the passion of a thousand sons, and now I will die for you. You're my best friend, right? Like, it's such a beautiful event. What happened? You got to know them. You built relationships with them. And guess what? Someone hated you. <laughs> Someone looked at you when you walked in the door and like, mm, not that person. Nope. Don't care for them. They got that, that resting face. It's not nice. I, I, nope, I don't like them. 
Okay? And again, we have to be careful. I know that's human nature, but we live by the spirit and not by the flesh, okay? So we got to be willing to overcome that and say, listen, I, I know I'm making judgments. We all make preconceived notions because it's just what human nature is. We see somebody and we make an assessment about how beautiful it's been when we are wrong. When we meet somebody and we understand you are just as wonderfully messed up as I am. Listen, the commandment shouldn't be followed for legalistic purposes. We don't do it because we're forced to. We do it because we owe a debt to God and to each other to love our neighbors. I don't know about you. I don't like owing anybody nothing. Like it gets, it, it bothers me. It gets on me. Like I'm just constantly thinking. I was like, I don't like. Oh, like me and one of my best friends in high school, we owed to each other two dollars all four years. Either he owed me two bucks or I owed him two bucks. It was always the same thing. And I'm like, hey, bro, do you want to buy? He said, no, bro, you owe me two dollars. I do owe you two dollars. My bad, bro. Here you go. And the next week he said, hey, can you buy? No, no, you owe me two dollars. Like we constantly had a tab of two dollars on each other. So I don't like necessarily owing anybody anything. And how can we repay? the Lord for, I mean, just salvation alone, it's, it's unimaginable. There really is nothing we can do to repay the debt that we owe to God for what he has given us. But what he has asked us to do is to love each other. Romans 13, verse 8 through 10. Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. You don't owe anybody anything except your obligation to love them. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These others and others such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. If we loved each other, there would be no gossip in the church because you don't gossip about people you love. If we loved each other, there would be no backbiting in the church because you don't do that to people you love. If we loved each other, there would be no judgment in church because you don't judge people you love. See, if you can just focus on love as opposed to trying to focus on not being a bad person, you would be the person you ideally are striving to be. But it, it comes with love. And listen, I, again, I've, I've just through experience, I've had this happen so often where I've, I, I've felt uh, a tension with somebody or, or an uncomfortability and just this, like, we just don't get along. And then I've spent some time with them and I've started to grow with them and I've learned to love them. And I even learned to understand some of the reasons why we weren't getting along. Sometimes you find out it's on you, that, that you were the one that was causing some of those issues. Sometimes you find out it was them but you have grace because you've been in that situation before. But if you focus in on loving one another, intentionally loving one another, getting to build relationships with one another, growing in your understanding of one another, it's very hard to hate someone you love. I remember one of my favorite quotes came after the Civil War worship team, if you can help me out. There was a, uh, it was right after the, the Civil War and uh, or getting ready close toward the end of the Civil War, I should say. And uh, Abraham Lincoln was talking about the South, and he was talking about our friends and our friends and our friends, and he was interrupted by a woman in the audience, and she said, why do you keep calling them friends? Those are our enemies. 
And his response was, but madam, the greatest way to destroy my enemy is to make them my friend. You're no longer an enemy when you're my friend. I can no longer hate you when I love you. And that's not an easy path. Like I said, some people are more difficult to love than others. So how do we do it? We do it by God's grace. And we do it by coming together and getting to know each other and building relationships. As you walked in, we tried our best to give you this small cup and little cracker on top. This represents one of the sacraments. There's only two sacraments or mandates that God has given us that we are called to follow. One of them is water baptism, and the other one is communion. That word communion means to come together and become one. Come and union. Come together as one. When we drink of this juice and we eat of this bread, we are remembering the Lord and all that he has called us to do. And I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message. There's something special about the dinner table. It's different from a conference table. It's different from a classroom table. At the dinner table, relationships are formed. Love is grown. The dinner table is for family. I don't know about you, but in my household, how we express love, we didn't have all the finer things. We didn't have everything that you would want, but you know what we always had in my house? Food. I'm sure you could tell. And the way we showed our love to people is we invited you to eat. We gave you food. We always joked that the worst seat in the house was the one next to my father. If you don't like to eat, do not sit next to my dad. Because he won't ask you if you want seconds. He's already serving you fourths. Because his joy was seeing you enjoy our food. It's how we loved you. It's how we express every special occasion in my family is food. I think that's why Jenny, my little sister, became a chef. Like she's just the most loving one. She's like, I'm just going to cook for everybody. That's why she would cook for all the meals for our kids. It was her, her love offering. It's the dinner table. I remember I was at Sebastian's house, one of our beautiful Italian couples. We're a few generations away. So some would say, well, what are, what are you doing hanging out at their house? Eating the best Italian meal I've ever had in my entire life. Eight courses, coffee, dessert. Antoinette was up from eight in the morning cooking the whole thing. We sat there for hours laughing and talking and fellowshipping. People who, if you just saw down the street, you would say, well, what do they have in common? A love for God and a love for each other. See, when Jesus gathered his disciples, he gathered them together around a dinner table. Jesus wasn't having a meal with his subordinates. He was having it with his friends. John 15, verse 9 through 17. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. 
Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my command. Love each other. You want to be a friend of God? You have to do what he commands you to do. Love each other. If I reverse that, what it means is I can't refuse to be your friend and then claim to be God's friend. I can't not love you and say I love God. And again, I just want to reiterate for for argument's sake, it doesn't mean we're going to get along with everybody in, in the bestest of ways. But I can still love you. Even if we're not, you know, besties and even if I don't call you 17 times a day, I don't do that for anybody, but I still love you. I still care when something happens. I still want to know if you're doing all right. Christ's death and resurrection was not only to unite us to him, but it was to unite us to each other. And if we don't take the time to do that, our joy will not overflow. We miss out on really what this is all about. See, church isn't about showing up on Sunday and listening to me and singing with them. Church is about growing in our relationship to God and to each other. And if we only do it with God, then we miss out on the fullness of his love for each other. So I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet if you can. The Bible talks about when you take communion to examine yourself. Matter of fact, in, in one portion of the New Testament, it says, if you have an issue with your brother, hold your sacrifice, go be reconciled with your brother, and then offer your sacrifice to God. Why? Because it's more important to God that we be in good communion with one another rather than just having communion with him. Now, I'm not saying you don't take communion. We can take communion. But here's what I'd like us to do. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to self-inspect. Is there an issue that's unresolved with someone in the church? And I'm not saying you have to immediately go right now after this and go deal with that because maybe the issue's in you and you need God to resolve that issue in you before you take it to somebody else. Maybe as the Lord works on you, you realize, you know what, this is my issue and I actually have to go apologize to that person. So I'm not saying you go and you demand apologies from people in this room. I'm saying search your heart and let the Lord point out anything in there that is offensive to him. And say, God, I want to be in communion, not just with you, but with the people in this room. Help me, God, if I have any bitterness or uncomfortability. Help me, Lord, if if I hold any anger or any insecurities towards people. Help me, Lord, to love the people in this room the way I love you. So I just want to pray that as we introspect, and then we're going to take the cup and the cracker together. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is truly something we can't do without you. Lord, if we're going to love the way you've asked us to love, we need your love to be our guiding principle. So Father, I pray, would it well up within us, God? Help us to be reminded of your grace and your mercy as we offer grace and mercy to others. Help us to be reminded of your patience as we are patient with one another. Help us to remind us of your sacrificial love as we sacrifice our time and our effort to go out of our way and love people in this room. 
Help us to remember that you know our name. And so we should make an effort to get to know other people's names. Oh Lord, such a simple gesture can make all the difference in someone's life. And Father, help us if there is an issue with a brother or sister in this room. If there's an issue with any brother or sister that has been unresolved, that we've allowed to fester and create a home within us. God, do a work in us right now. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to bring that conviction and guidance and counsel into our lives, God. Do it, Lord, so that we may be reconciled. And God, we know that that doesn't always mean that the relationships have to come back together. That doesn't always mean that we'll even have a relationship with that individual. But Lord, we want that there would be no hatred, that there would be no ill will, that there would be no ill intent, because Lord, that only festers in us and hurts us. And Lord, you want us to live free from all condemnation such as that. So Father, we thank you. And Lord, I just pray for Belmont. God, help us, the people in this room, the people who are watching online, who consider this place their home. Help us, God, to be intentional about loving each other, to be intentional about going out of our way and meeting new people and getting out of our comfort zone, God. Lord, to not be so arrogant as to think people need to come to us. Lord, help us to be humble and loving, to do what you called us to do in the way that you called us to do it. Lord, we love you, and we want to demonstrate that by how we love each other. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Can we take this bread and... This cup.